Welcome back to Midnight Movie Theater. Tonight we're taking a look at the 2014 found footage film Creep and the sequel, Creep 2, which came out in 2017. For some reason, Creep reminds me of that groundbreaking time in your life when you first start spending the night at your friend's house. You and your friend mostly just know each other from hanging out at school and occasionally the park or even short visits at one another's homes. But then one day you come up with the idea of having a sleepover. Both parents agree and before you know it, you're at your friend's house with a change of clothes and a toothbrush. He shows you around the house and the first thing you notice is his older brother on the couch in the basement. He's popped too many pills so he's taking a little nap. You two decide to go for a walk. You're out in the country and eventually you run into a neighbor's house. He says it's a fellow classmate's home and then proceeds to do a breaking and entering. You just wait outside because you're about eight years old and that seems like the best decision at the time. He comes out, smokes some cigarettes, and then starts throwing rocks at the propane tank to see if it will explode. The boy's mom drives up and angrily picks you both up. When you get back to the house, he eats rocks and drinks ink from a broken ink pen. Before you know it, it's time to go to bed, and you can't help think, Please, God, get me the fuck out of here. You never express this feeling because of politeness. So you wait out the night until you're back at home in your comfort zone. Anyway, check this out. This movie stars Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. They're the two main characters and essentially the only characters in the movie. Patrick Bryce also directed the movie. And guess who wrote it? Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. So this movie is essentially a two-man operation. That's super impressive. It was produced by Jason Blum and Mark Duplass, so it's a Blumhouse release. Honestly, gotta give it up for Blumhouse on this one. They also produced the sequel, Creep 2, along with Netflix. The second was also directed by Patrick Bryce, written by Duplass and Bryce, and stars Duplass again. There are some new faces in Creep 2, though. Desiree Akvon plays our protagonist, and Karan Soni is in the opening segment. I watched these movies back-to-back, and once I finished the first, I was really curious to see how they could put a spin on this idea and create something interesting for a sequel. I won't give too much away right now, but they nailed it. I feel like Creep 2 is almost as good as the first. It's pretty close, but overall I think I like the first a little better. Either way, it's a really fun back-to-back watch. They're both right around 80 minutes, so they do not drag anything out. Alright, I think it's time to get into... This movie starts out with our main character, Aaron, filming himself driving to the mountains. He's responding to an ad for a videographer gig where he'll need to spend the whole day with this dude. He doesn't seem to be too sure about what he's getting into, but the pay is $1,000 for a day of filming, so it seems too good to pass up. He kind of thinks he might get lucky and run into a lonely MILF up in the woods, but right away it seems pretty obvious that the more likely option is that he's being set up for some sort of crime to happen to him. If someone offers you $1,000 to hang out alone in the woods, chances are they're going to try to murder you. When he finally makes it to Joseph's house, he has to walk up quite a few stairs before getting to the door. He knocks and no one answers. He tries calling his phone, but no one answers and the voicemail isn't set up. He's kind of waiting around outside when he sees an axe in a tree stump. This makes him nervous, so he gets back in his car. He's in the car, minding his own business, kind of getting a little more freaked out by the whole situation. Then he does that thing that any found footage movie is going to do. 
he kind of shifts the camera around while he's talking so that when he brings it back to where it just was, there's a jump scare waiting for you. Joseph is right up on the car window and scares the shit out of him. He kind of does this a lot where he'll purposely hide and pop out screaming to scare Aaron. This is one of these movies where it's hard not to play the game in your head. When would I leave? There's several times when you're kind of thinking, it's time to get the fuck out. When the two introduce themselves, Joseph comes off as a really positive person. He immediately wants to hug Aaron and is very energetic. He explains that he survived cancer a while back. Just recently, he found out that he has a big brain tumor and not a lot of time left to live. He then goes on to say that his wife is pregnant with their only child, so he wants to document his day so that his son can have a nice memory of him if he's not around. When they get done with their initial talk, Joseph is immediately like, All right, it's time to get in the bath. He's like, come on, Aaron, come film me taking a bath. Aaron is a little unsure of this, but is pretty easily talked into it. He's just taking a video of a grown man in the bathtub. Seems like normal Craigslist ad behavior. So this whole situation is only more alarming because when Aaron seems hesitant, Joseph is like, oh, don't worry, we're going to be getting a lot closer than this. That is exactly what would make me worry. Like at this point, unless you're there because you want to be murdered or kidnapped or raped by this guy, you should probably leave. But Aaron politely keeps the camera running as Joseph pretends to take a bath with his son. Which if the movie wasn't called Creep and you weren't pretty sure that this dude is going to end up being a nut, this would be a really sweet moment. A little later in the bath, Joseph gets a little dark and starts talking about how he should just kill himself. He lowers his head underneath the water and when Aaron goes to check on him, he pops out again screaming to scare him. Man, I know you'd probably feel bad leaving this guy, but just pretend that you got an emergency call or something and get the fuck out of there. There's no way this guy needs a thousand dollars this bad. After the bath, they're planning on going on a hike. He tells Aaron he can borrow some gear. When Aaron opens the closet, he finds a big ass wolf mask. Joseph's like, oh, I'm glad you found that. That's peach fuzz. He explains that it was a mask his father used to wear when he was a boy. First off, that mask looks brand new. It'd be about 40 years old if his dad used to wear it. That's suspicious enough. But then he's like, oh, let me do the Peach Fuzz song for you. He puts the mask on and we get a shot of Joseph just singing some bowl that would in no way put someone at ease. I don't understand how all the alarm bells in your head wouldn't be going off by now. The song's supposed to be about how you shouldn't be scared of the wolf because he's nice. Joseph and Aaron drive to a hiking spot. They're on their way to a spiritual water heart healing area in the woods that Joseph heard about. He says he learned about it from a lady at a taco truck stand. A little after they start hiking, Joseph takes off running into the woods and leaves Aaron behind. Aaron just kind of stands there, unsure what to do. He goes to look for him and could you guess? Joseph pops out from behind a log screaming his fucking ass off. He scares the fuck out of Aaron for a third time already. He says some weird shit like, that's how you look right before you die. Aaron's like, okay. Then he kind of goes off a little more saying, you looked like you wanted to kill me for a second. Well, no shit. He also asks if he saw the axe in front of his house and Aaron's like, yeah. Joseph asks if he thought he was going to kill him with it. Aaron's like, kind of. They've been walking for quite a while now. Aaron's getting a little annoyed and worried about making their way back to the car. He asks Joseph if he knows how to get back and he tells him he doesn't. Aaron's like, what the fuck? I haven't been paying attention to which way we went at all. Joseph's like, yeah, me neither. Joseph says they're close to their destination though. 
Aaron sees a sign that says there's a sewer pipeline runoff nearby, and he's like, are we going swimming in a diarrhea pool? Right after that, they find this little rock formation that's in the shape of a heart. They're both like, wow, and go get in the water. They're kind of splashing each other and hugging a bunch. Aaron's worries seem to have went away. He's thinking, maybe Joseph's right. I do need to just live in the moment. Who knows? Maybe he won't murder me with an axe after all. Next, we cut to the two in a pancake place in the nearby town. I guess all that worry about not finding their way back was for nothing. There's another little red flag when Joseph kind of mentioned earlier that him and his family used to come here all the time. But when they get there, it seems unfamiliar with the menu. He covers it up and they move right past it. After they eat, Joseph asks Aaron if there's anything he's really ashamed of and if he'd tell him about it. Aaron's like, let me think. Joseph takes the camera so he can film Aaron talking about it. Aaron tells a story about how he used to piss his pants a lot. He's like, every night and every day, there was always hot piss all over my pants. I could never not piss my pants. It was so bad that my mom bought a machine that ran from my sleeve to the taint of my pants, and if anything got wet there, an alarm would go off. One day, I was playing on the monkey bars with my friends, and I had to pee, so I just let it rip and pissed the hell out of my pants. I was covered in mustard yellow liquid, just lying in the rocks. The alarm started blaring, and all the kids were wondering what the fuck was going on. This whole story has me baffled. Why would you need to buy a machine that tells you when your kid is pissing his pants? Once they're pissed, there's no unpissing them. It's not like you can hear the alarm run in and stop him from pissing his pants. It's over at that point. Also, seems like something you wouldn't wear during the day. These kids are going to see all these wires running from your sleeve to the front of your pants and thinking, what the fuck is this kid doing? Is this some kind of weird cock pump? The teachers would be sending his ass home right away. This story might be weirder than anything Joseph's done so far. So anyway, that's what Aaron's shame story is. Maybe pick a different story next time, bud. Or just say that you used to piss your pants a lot. Make something up! Aaron asks Joseph if there's anything he's ashamed of, and he shows him that he was taking pictures of him when he arrived, instead of answering the door. So after they're full of pancakes, they drive back to Joseph's house. It's nighttime, and Aaron's like, well, the day is done. Time for me to go home. Joseph stops at the top of the stairs and starts trying to convince him to stay and have one drink to celebrate their day. Aaron is somehow convinced to go in, despite saying that he has all his stuff packed up and is ready to go. This scene is shot with Aaron looking up at Joseph on the outside stairs, and Joseph is backlit with a security light. It looks great. When Aaron gets inside, Joseph jump scares him again. Alright dude, that's four jump scares. At some point you gotta start raising your voice at this fucker or something. If not that, at least start fucking with him. After the second jump scare, you know there are more to come. No 40-something year old man does one jump scare. Especially if it's the first time they met you and they're doing jump scares left and right. What he should do is, whenever Joseph jumps out to scare him, pretend like he's having a heart attack. Then when Joseph goes to check on him, he pokes him in the fucking eyes and bulldogs his face into the ground. Surprise, motherfucker. The next shot is the two guys sitting at a table drinking some whiskey. The camera is pointed at Joseph. He's starting to talk about how he has an excess of money and would like to give some to Aaron. 
He's kind of questioning Aaron on his financial situation and whether or not he's having money problems. He tells Aaron that he put a check in his boot. Aaron reaches for his boot and Joseph's like, gotcha. I knew you had money problems or you wouldn't have checked your boot. This seems like the worst way to find out if someone is having money problems. If you tell someone that you put something in their boot, they're going to check. You could say, hey, I stuck a bag of cat shit in your boot. If I go to reach for it, it's not because I don't have enough cat shit at home and would like to have some more. It's because no one wants random shit in their boots. Aaron is finally getting ready to leave when Joseph blurts out that he lied to him. Aaron's like, about what? He tells him that he lied about peach fuzz. He's like, sit down and turn off the camera and I'll tell you the real story about peach fuzz. At this point, who fucking cares, dude? It's a wolf mask. No one would want to stick around for this shit. Aaron shuts the video off, but leaves the audio rolling. We hear Joseph tell him a story that goes a little like, A while back, my home internet was getting pretty slow. A friend at work told me to clear the browser. When I opened up the browser history, there was nothing but loads and loads of animal porn. The only people that use that computer are me and my wife, Angela. It wasn't me looking at the animal porn. So one day, my wife and I are staying in our cabin. I pretend like I get a call from work saying that I have to go in last minute. But instead, I sneak away and buy this wolf mask. Then I break into the cabin, tie my wife up, and rape her. We both thought it was pretty cool. The next <laughs> the next day, we both acted like nothing happened and we never talked about it again. Well, that's the real Peach Fuzz story. Are you glad you stuck around for that shit, Aaron? Jesus Christ. Aaron gets ready to leave again, but this time he can't find his keys. He's definitely panicking and is clearly ready to get the fuck out of there. Joseph kind of convinces him to stay in a very pushy but logical way. He's like, we can look for them in the morning when it's lighter in here. Next, we see Joseph crashed out, sleeping beside the fireplace. Aaron must have spiked Joseph's drink with some sleeping pills or some shit. He's filming him sleep for some damn reason and starts searching Joseph's pockets for his keys. In the first pocket, he pulls out Joseph's phone. He's about to search the next one when Joseph's phone starts going off. Aaron runs in the next room and answers it. <coughs> oh, it's Angela. Aaron is kind of whispering to her about what's going on and she seems pretty confused. She then goes on to tell Aaron that she's not Joseph's wife, but his sister. Now he's pretty fucking confused. She gives him the best advice and is just like, you need to leave that house immediately. Doesn't matter that you don't have your dumbass keys. Just walk out the door and keep walking. He's like, oh yeah, that's a great plan. When he gets off the phone and walks back out to the living room, Joseph is missing. He's no longer sleeping next to the fireplace. Aaron starts slowly checking around the house for Joseph. He sees that the patio door is open, so he checks out there. He doesn't see him and is soon jump scared by Joseph. This time it's not him screaming and popping out. He just starts talking behind Aaron about death. It's a pretty good one. Aaron tells Joseph that the jig is up. He talked to Angela and he knows that he's been feeding him bullshit. Joseph responds by sprinting into the house and down the stairs. 
Aaron heads downstairs and sees Joseph standing in front of the front door with the wolf mask on. Aaron asks if he's going to let him go. He shakes his head no and starts growling a bunch. Aaron charges Joseph and the camera cuts out. When it kicks back on, we see Joseph hauling three big trash bags up a hill. We see him digging a hole. Then we hear Aaron's voice and the camera turns around on his face. He's explaining what happened. He says, after he charged Joseph and they wrestled around a bit, Joseph took off into the woods and just kind of disappeared. He left the cabin and had to have his car towed. Says he got the video of him digging in the mail. Cut to Aaron filming himself at night talking about how he's having all these crazy dreams. He explains that he's been having dreams about him and Joseph at the Heart Spring. But this time it's in a hot tub and Joseph is wearing the peach fuzz mask and Aaron's wearing a baby wolf mask. Next day, Aaron gets a big ass box at his doorstep with no return address. Inside, he finds a knife and a DVD. He starts washing it. Washing? He starts watching it and it's Joseph apologizing for the previous DVD. There's a third item which is a baby wolf stuffy. He tells him to open the wolf up with the knife. There's a locket inside with their pictures in it. On the back it says J and A forever. Aaron calls the cops. There's not much the cops can do though. Aaron doesn't know anything about Joseph and is even starting to realize that Joseph probably isn't his real name. Aaron's filming himself up at night again and talking about his dreams of Joseph in the hot tub. He keeps getting interrupted by noises in the house. There's a great shot of Aaron framed by his bedroom doorway. When he steps out of frame, we see Joseph standing on the outside of his front door, just kind of peeking in. When Aaron walks back into frame, Joseph runs off before Aaron sees him. He walks outside to check on shit, but he just sees a trash can knocked over. He's like, damn, raccoons, and goes back to bed. The camera clicks on, but Aaron is sound asleep. Then someone picks it up and starts videotaping Aaron sleeping. The camera sits down and we see Joseph's hands cut a piece of Aaron's hair off with some scissors. Next up, Aaron's screen is cut on his window and a DVD is sitting inside that says, The Final Video or My Final Video or something. He puts it on and it's Joseph talking about how he took it personally that he found the DVD and the locket in his trash can. So he knows that Joseph was the one fucking around with the trash now, but he doesn't know about the hair snipping. Joseph asks Aaron to meet up with him at a public park. He kind of goes off about how he's a habitual liar and a really lonely person. He wants to see if he can make it right with Aaron. You kind of think there's no way he's going to meet up with Joseph, but of course he fucking does. He's like, oh, look at him. He's so sad. Aaron has shown no sign of street smarts or stranger danger at all in this fucking movie. He sets the camera up from a distance and films himself sitting on a bench. Aaron tells the camera that he has 911 on speed dial in case anything weird happens. He sits on a bench facing the water. Joseph sneaks up behind him, puts on the wolf mask, and smokes him in the head with the axe. We then see the camera flip around on Joseph watching the video. He has some critiques for how Aaron handled the situation. He's like, you should have been looking behind you more often. But you didn't because you're the sweetest person in the world. He also explains why he loves Aaron and why he's his favorite. He turns the camera back on the TV and then Joseph jump scares himself. We cut to Joseph answering another phone call about a similar job. While he's on the phone, I believe we hear him calling himself Bill this time. So we know that he's using fake names. 
We see that he has a large collection of VHS tapes and DVDs of what can be assumed are similar murders. And that's the end of Creep. We're going to take a brief intermission before getting into Creep 2. If you need to refill your sodas or snacks, maybe your piss machine is about to start bleeping, we'll be back with Creep 2 after these messages. First, a joke. Knock, knock. Izzy. Izzy hard again? So we know that Joseph's a psycho killer. It'll be interesting to see what they do to keep this concept fresh. We start off with a new guy. A young guy named Dave opens a package with a DVD in it that says, Watch Me. The POV is coming from inside the package, watching this dude, Dave. There's a knock at the door. We hear him talking to a friend. But when the friend comes in and sits down, it's Joseph. Oh, shit. For a little while, Joseph's playing along with Dave's concerns about the stalking that's been going on with him. But before too long, he lets Dave in on his secret. He's the one that's been sending him all this bullshit. He tells him that he's been videotaping him ever since they met. Dave gets a little freaked out and goes to stand up, but Joseph slices him with a knife. Next up, we meet Sarah. She's hosting a show called Encounters, where she answers strange Craigslist ads and films them for her YouTube show. There's a clip of her hanging out with a pottery ghost man who looks like his diet mostly consists of glue. A pretty intense hot tub hangout with this next guy, and to top it off, a baby man. 
This guy just wants to be held like a baby while Sarah sings him a lullaby. The camera flips around and it's her watching her own videos, talking about how bad they suck. She's only getting about 9 views and she's starting to think that this shit is a waste of time. She finds Joseph's ad and decides to give it a shot. She texts Joseph and they're working out the details of meeting up. When he finds out her name is Sarah, he is stoked because it reminds him of his favorite song. She drove three hours to wherever Joseph's new murder cabin is. She knocks and the door is already open. Joseph is running a blender in the kitchen. He has a beard and a little ponytail this time. Our killer is going by Aaron in this movie. He offers a smoothie and a hug and asks her about her background in filmmaking. He explains that he's a serial killer and that he's killed 39 people. He's really going into detail about how he kills these people. He says that killing has become more of a job and he doesn't enjoy it anymore. I thought this would be a quick joke, but he's really pitching having her help him make a documentary about him killing someone. He gives her the chance to leave if she's not interested. Somehow, she agrees to it. I can't tell if she realizes she'd be an accomplice to murder or if she just thinks he's trying to be weird. Aaron shows her the video of him killing the real Aaron from the first movie. I just realized he took Aaron's name. Maybe she doesn't realize he's serious about killing people. She sees the murder and just says, Shit. I'm kind of thinking she doesn't believe it's a real murder. Obviously, this would be kind of easy to fake, but if someone shows me that right when I meet them and tells me it's a murder, I'm leaving. Although I get that her show is about running into strange people on the internet, so Aaron checks all the boxes. Aaron runs off and comes back downstairs with a towel on. He gets naked in front of her. She doesn't seem too bothered by this. Seems like he is trying to make her uncomfortable, but it's not working. She also gets naked, and this seems to shock him. You kind of get the feeling that part of his plan is to make whoever he's going after scared and uncomfortable. Sarah gets a moment alone in the bathroom. She kind of lets out that she's extremely freaked out, but it's her most interesting subject yet. She decides to go for it. She also reveals that she doesn't think he's actually a serial killer. He tries to do the jump scare on her, but it doesn't phase her. You can tell he's surprised. She asks about his patchy beard and he blames it on genetics. He tries another jump scare and that shit still doesn't work. Aaron might have met his match. He's driving them somewhere wearing the peach fuzz mask. She says it's cute but she's worried about whether or not he can see. You can tell that her not being bothered by any of this weird shit is really getting to him. She's kind of asking him questions about friends as they go on a hike and he does not like that he's not in total control. Aaron is usually the one leading the conversation and asking a ton of questions. He's all pissed off because the lake he's taking her to is mostly dried up. He explains that he had an idea that he would pop up out of the water looking like Jesus. And at the end of the movie, dive off the bridge above back into the water. He's all fucked up by this. She asks him, WWFFCD, what would Francis Ford Coppola do? Earlier, he mentioned that he was inspired by Coppola talking about how he thinks that he peaked in 1974, but he just kept going, trying to capture that former glory. He's sitting cross-legged in some water, doing some intro speech, but it keeps getting fucked up. First, a loud plane flies by, then a bird keeps chirping, and then Sarah tells him there's a shadow on his face. Seems like he really has lost his mojo. Aaron walks off and Sarah goes looking for him. She sees him planking face down in the sand, growling. They're back at Aaron's and apparently he's not talking anymore. She goes to confront him. He tells her to leave. He doesn't want to make the documentary anymore. She tries to convince him to keep going. 
He starts telling her a story about his childhood. Apparently, when he was a teenager, he went to see some band that he really likes that has uh, the name Sarah in the title. On his way home, a guy offered him a ride. He got in, and the guy took him to the middle of the woods and beat the living shit out of him. Made him dig his own grave, but Aaron was able to get the upper hand and strangle the guy to death. He says that's when he realized he loved killing people. Aaron's stories could all be seen as bullshit. He's obviously a compulsive liar, so it's hard to take anything he says as reality. She gets in the hot tub with him and starts giving him a neck massage. He's re-energized and creeps into Sarah's bathroom. Sarah's bathroom only has red light bulbs. It's fucking weird. He pulls the shower back and she jump scares him with a bunch of scotch tape all over her face. He finally met someone who loves jump scaring people as much as he does. Now they're playing hide and go seek. It seems like she wants to antagonize the weirdness out of him for her show. He's looking for her in the woods at night, just running around growling and shit. But she jump scares him again. Cut to Aaron cutting wood at night. She asks if he wants to ram the axe in her face. He's like... You bet your sweet ass I do. Now he's playing pool and talking about how he gives his victims plenty of warnings. He's kind of going on about how all the weird behavior is to try to give them a heads up that they're not safe around him. Sarah seems to be falling right into this trap as well. But who knows, maybe it'll work out for her. Aaron's sneaking up on Sarah while she's doing the dishes. He has her camera and asks if she's spent any time in the woods. They talk about a book that he likes called The Journalist and the Murderer, which leads to him letting her know that he knows about her show Encounters. He knows that she fibbed about making wedding videos and that she has a knife in her boot. He asks if she thinks he's really a serial killer, and she tells him, no, not really. He drops a bomb that she's going to kill him later that night. He's all pumped about this new idea. He comes back with a wolf mask on and has her sit the camera down. He gives her the axe and tells her to chop his head off. She obviously isn't going to do this, so we cut to him getting ready to hang himself. He jumps from the balcony and just starts dying. She rushes in to save him, and I think she's pretty surprised he actually did it. She's getting ready to leave after this, and Aaron is super confused why. He shows her that he was wearing a harness when he went to hang himself, so he was safe the whole time. Aaron tells her that he just wants to give her the best episode of Encounters and that he's not a murderer. And now she's back on board. They play a game. Two lies and a truth. He says he was born premature, he's never slept with a woman, and he can hold his breath for two and a half minutes. The truth is that he never slept with a woman. Sarah is pretty shocked by this, and he kind of explains that he just grew up in a weird environment and never had the opportunity. He tells her that he's never even been kissed by a woman. Sarah offers to be his first kiss, and he's like, yeah, that would be cool. Cut to them walking through the woods at night. He gives her the necklace that he gave the guy in the first movie. There's a big grave dug next to them. He grabs the cam and flips it on her. Aaron tells her that he dug the grave before she got there, and he wasn't sure if it was going to be for her or for him. He takes her knife out and asks if she's ready for the grand finale. She's like, okay. The camera is super close on her, and we just hear grunting and stabbing noises. We see that he's stabbed himself a bunch of times. He tells her his plan and gives her the knife. He's like, now that I'm all stabbed up, you stab yourself a whole bunch and we'll both die together in this grave out here in these woods. She runs away, obviously. He has the camera trying to find her, but he's all stabbed up. So he's not very fast. 
She attacks him, but apparently loses badly. We just kind of see him stabbing her in the distance. He drags her into the grave and crawls towards the camera, starts monologuing about how he changed his mind about dying tonight. He's like, yeah, it seemed like a pretty cool idea, and then I realized it was actually kind of a sucky idea. Sarah starts creeping up on him with the shovel and smokes his ass. Blood shoots onto the camera, and he is absolutely fucked. Cut to a busy city street. Sarah walks through a crowd of people, being followed by a man with a camera, presumably Aaron. They both get on the subway. She looks right at him before we get the credits. So I thought both of these movies were a lot of fun. The first one has a little more of a serious tone to it, especially since you're kind of on the fence about what's going on. Although I do think the first one is a little more predictable. The second one seems like they're having a lot more fun with the story. I don't think either one of these movies would be nearly as good without Mark Duplass as the creep. His performance in both of them make the movies what they are. I'd give Creep a 3.25 and Creep 2 a 3 out of 5 snuff tapes. Both of these movies do a great job with the found footage style. And I know I said it earlier, but they're the kind of movies where you'll watch them and play that game in your head, when would I leave? I found myself doing it anyway. I'm thinking there's no fucking way I would have made it as long as either one of these fools. If I was younger and more naive, maybe. This movie also reminded me of a time when I was 22 years old, working at a Menards in Indianapolis. I was working in the plumbing department and this little old man came in and was asking for help finding some parts. While I was helping him find what he needed, we ended up talking about music and playing guitar and stuff like that. He was all excited when he found out that I played guitar. Anyway, we were talking about getting together to jam sometime. I didn't have many friends over there, so I was pretty much up to hang out with anyone that didn't seem like they would kill me. I think he came over a couple of times to play guitar, but mostly he would just smoke weed and get really quiet. I didn't think much of it, and he seemed nice enough. At some point, he asked if I wanted to sort some washers and bolts into all these little bins, and he'd pay me $100. He knew that I was going to school and working, so I think it was mostly just to come up with a way to help me out with some extra money. I did that, and he picked up the container. After that, I was too busy with everything I had going on to really hang out with this dude. I didn't think too much of it. Well, one day, there's a knock at the apartment door. I was like, who could that be? I never would have guessed that this little old dude was going to be standing outside the door. I was like, hey, what's up? And he just started fucking yelling at me. He was so pissed off and accusing me of blowing him off and all this shit. At the time, I didn't know how to handle it. I literally just didn't say anything until he walked off and then I closed the door. Now I think I would have tried to get him to calm down and talk about it, but I was clueless. Eventually, I texted him to make sure everything was okay. He was like, yeah, and apologized for all of that bullshit. Later on, he invited me over to his house. I hadn't been over there at this point. So I ended up going over there and it's just kind of weird. He offered me a drink and then he smoked a bunch of weed and at the time I felt like there's no way this little old guy could hurt me. But thinking back on it, if he had a gun or put something in that drink, I would have been in a whole other fucked up situation. He could have had a snuff film collection like that dude in this movie for all I know. 
Anyway, when I find myself judging the shit out of these movie characters for all the horrible decisions they make, it makes me think about all the dumb shit that I've done in the past and try to factor that in. Alright, let's see what we're watching next week. No country for old men. Very nice. I've really been wanting to rewatch this movie. I saw it around the time it came out and haven't got back to it since. I just read the book a couple months ago, so I had to throw it on the watch list. Bullshit. What? You didn't read it. Well, technically no. I listened to the audiobook, but what's the difference? Just keeping you honest. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for me tonight. Join me next Thursday for No Country for Old Men. Share this show with your friends. Follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Instagram. Thanks for listening to Midnight Movie Theater. Until next time. Like the West Indies That's right. It's time you invest in me Cause if not then it's best I you leave I don't know yeah. If you're playing me 
Elvis is gay. Mm-hmm. Elvis is gay. Mm-hmm. Who else is gay? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well, who else is gay from around that time? 